0: Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome. Into the Sidelines
1: with Evan Daniels.
0: What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode, I'm going to bring on Fox Sports producer Conrad Company, and we're going to dive into a couple big topics around college basketball, including that Duke-Virginia game this past weekend. We're going to talk Anthony Edwards, the nation's number one player, that just committed to Georgia, and we'll talk a little Washington and Mike Hopkins. Before we get to that, I want to make sure that you are supporting the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and/ or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, leave a rating, leave a review. Those things are extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels It's time to go. Minute. Oh with evan daniels send it in big fella now i want to bring in a close friend conrad company to help guide this conversation has worked his way into a co-host of this show and enjoy having him on what's <laughs> up conrad hey man how's
1: it going how you doing today Eve? big day for you man first live commitment how was that <laughs> it
0: was fun man it was uh it was a lot of fun i spent uh or monday morning in atlanta at holy spirit prep for uh, anthony edwards's college announcement and um You know, the kid, uh, such a talented kid, and and for Georgia to be able to keep him at home uh, was a big deal. So it it was fun to be there.
1: I knew, I texted you this morning, the first thing that came to me is when he pulled out the baby. I did not see that coming for how he was going to announce it, but you know what? Kids are becoming even that much more creative with how they announce these sort of things. So let's get right off the rip with it, though. He decides to stick with Tom Crean in the hometown Georgia Bulldogs. Did you see this coming, or where did you see him ending up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I made a prediction for Georgia on Tuesday, last Tuesday, and I admittedly at that time didn't know uh, where he was going. Um, but I think that the location and proximity to home was a big deal for Anthony. Um, this is a kid that is extremely close uh, with his family. Uh, his sister just had a baby, and, and the nephew is the one that you saw – in the commitment video, uh, it's funny. Cause I, I, asked those guys, you know, how was he planning to announce, is he going to do the hat thing or, uh, how was he going to do it? And, and, uh, that was a, his idea, uh, from the beginning. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool. I, we've seen all kinds of commitment type announcements. I've never seen one, uh, with, with a baby. So, uh, that was pretty cool. But, um, I did, I, I did see it coming maybe over the last couple weeks. I think when he reclassified from 2020 to 2019, most expected that it would be Florida State. And he took a visit to Georgia, I think about 10 days after he announced that he was reclassifying. It was an official visit. Well, Georgia just got him on campus quick. Uh, they were very aggressive in their pursuit of him. Uh, but I, I, I think that location and proximity, plus uh, Tom Crean's pitch, really factored in here. Uh, if you watched... Uh, the announcement Conrad uh, he brought up Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Wade and, and that was Georgia's pitch uh, Tom Crean obviously coached and helped develop those guys and that was their pitch to him from the beginning um, I'm not saying they're the same players but their playing style is similar they're both big guards that that really excel with the ball in their hands and uh, that was Georgia's pitch and, and Anthony Edwards w- was all about it and so I think between that and the, the proximity um, Georgia was able to win out.
1: Yeah, and so he committed to Georgia and Tom Now He is the number one shooting guard in a class in 2019. He looks like a very smooth shooter with range, loves the pull-up game, uses his athleticism to get to the rack. And he mentioned the likes of Dwayne Wade, Victor Oladipo, in your interview with him. Now, do you think that more recruits think like this, where a certain coach basically coaches up these, these certain type of athletes this way, and that determines where they're going to go?
0: Well, I, I think every commitment and kids to recruitment Uh, is a situational basis. Um, In this particular case, you know, Anthony bought into that pitch and enjoyed that pitch. Uh, But I I think every recruitment is different. And each recruitment uh, comes down to something different. It's, you know, it's just like, um, just like choosing a restaurant, Conrad, like, there's certain things that uh, you like in a restaurant that maybe I won't you know what I mean? So I, I, I think it's a situational yeah. basis. And, um, you know, he he really wanted to stay close to his family and friends. It's not just his family, too. He's really close with his trainer, Justin Holland. He's really close with his AAU coach, Winford Jordan. Um, it's, there's a community around him and he's only going to be about an hour and a half away from them. But but certainly the the pitch with Wade and and. Um, Victor Lodipo really factored in here. And, and, Comrade, I don't know if you've seen highlights of this kid, but he, he is a heck of a prospect.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I certainly – that's why I spent – I spent some time this weekend when I knew that you were doing the announcement on Monday morning, and I kind of went back and watched today. And he's, his game is very smooth. I mean, that's, that's for sure. And like you said, I mean, it's so funny. I know we keep bringing up Dwayne Wade and Victor Lodipo, but people didn't know what their ceiling was when they were playing for Tom Green back in the day what do you think anthony edwards ceiling is well it's high
0: you know we have him number one overall uh, in the top 247 he's number two in the 247 sports composite rankings which is um the you know all of the ranking service combined uh, but i, I think uh, the reason i think he's the best prospect uh, it starts with the physical tools he's six 215 pounds long arms tremendous athlete quick off his feet quick laterally uh, all the physical tools for a shooting guard prospect. He's a three-level scorer. He can get to the rim and finish through contact. He can get to the rim and punch on you. Uh, he's really creative with the ball in his hands, Conrad. So, you know, he's he's able to create space. He's got a tight handle, and he can pull up from mid-range. Uh, and then his shot mechanics and his jump shot has really improved over the last year. He's shooting at about a 38% clip from three during his senior season, and his jump shot has really uh, ed- improved. And, you know, I think the the one, the one or two areas that uh, you'd harp on with him right now are conditioning and staying locked in on defense. Uh, he actually has the potential to be a tremendous defender, uh, but it's not an area that he's ever really fully focused on. I think maybe the scariest thing about Anthony Edwards is he's not even close to reaching – uh, his full potential. There are still so many ways that he can improve, and he's already this good. Uh, the other thing is, and and um, I'm not a huge comparison guy, as you and I have talked about on here before. Uh, the guy that we at 24-7 Sports have kind of been comparing to, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say he's going to be a top three player in the NBA, but he plays kind of similar to James Harden in a, in a sense that he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's really Ooh. good creating off the bounce. He's... In ball screen situations, he's really impressive, um, and he's known for his scoring and his athletic ability. But when he wants to be, he has tremendous vision and can really pass. Um, so there's there's tremendous upside here. Uh, I think he's the favorite to be the number one pick in the 2020 draft. Obviously, that's a long ways away, and you know James Wiseman maybe has something to say about that. But I, I think this kid is a tremendous talent, and it's a game changing recruit for Tom Crean.
1: Yeah, now speaking of like likes of James Wiseman, it seems like more and more schools that weren't grabbing top ten recruits. I mean, Washington has a top ten recruit. Now Georgia, Memphis, do you see kids are going to start going to schools that aren't naturally like the Arizonas, the U.K.s, the Dukes, the North Carolinas in the top ten?
0: Um, that's a good question. It's actually one that I've been getting a lot lately. Um, I think it's similar to what we were just discussing. Uh, it's, I think it's situational. I think it depends on the kid. Um, you know, we've seen the Ben Simmons go to LSU. And the Mark Hell Fultz go to Washington. But then we also see Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett go to Duke. And Ashton Hagens go to Kentucky. And uh, E.J. Montgomery go to Kentucky. So, it, you know, the Blue Bloods are still getting players. There's always going to be a, a couple guys that, that go off the beaten path and uh, want to stay close to home or have a relationship that leads them to a certain school or – there's a certain pitch that that they really liked, and, and you know what I always say about recruiting, Conrad, is it really is relationship based. And a lot of times with proximity, you're allowed to build a relationship early, earlier, um, and, and maybe a deeper type of relationship. So you know, location obviously is a factor in a lot of recruitments, but the relationship I think is what matters most. And a lot of times it's a relationship with an assistant coach, a relationship with a head coach.
1: Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. And I'll just switch gears a little bit and probably to go to something that we'll probably never see again when it comes to recruiting with the Duke Blue Devils this year, having the top three overall recruits from last year's class. And, man, they played a hell of a game against Virginia this weekend. I know personally I thought Virginia had a shot, and uh, it came out pretty quickly they did not. What did you take away from that game at Virginia this weekend?
0: Well, what's crazy is if if Duke shoots the ball the way they did uh, against Virginia, uh, they're unbeatable now they're not going to shoot the ball like that every game and and it's funny actually um i mean i can't believe virginia kept it as close as they did uh at the percentage that duke shot the basketball i mean it was insane rj barrett and cam reddish combined for i think it was 11 of 16 from 3 or 11 of 15 from 3 i mean that's that's silly and uh, it was a it was a really impressive performance on the road i i, I think anybody that watched that game uh, walked away thinking they are the overwhelming favorite uh, to win it all. Now, Duke's not going to come out and shoot the basketball the way they did like that every game. And there's going to be games they're going to have to grind it out and uh, they're going to have to win other ways. But that was that was a really impressive performance. And I, I think Duke has the most upside of any team in the country. I've been saying that for um, uh, really since the beginning of the season, and I fully believe that. I, I think that their upside is, is higher than everyone else's and uh, this is a, a, a really good basketball team led by some sen- sensational freshmen.
1: Yeah, Evan, I thought Virginia was actually going to make Duke grind this one out, which would lead to them getting a big win at home, but it was the exact opposite. It was almost like a barn burner from the start, like you mentioned. The hot shooting from R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish really took Duke out the lead at first, and it wasn't anything like the first game. Now, how much do you put on Trey Jones' impact that Duke really got out that hot start as well. Because the first game people forget he didn't play against Virginia.
0: Well, I love Trey Jones. I've said from the beginning of the year, I think he's the most important piece to their puzzle um, just because I think he sets the table and and them beating Virginia at home without Trey Jones was extremely impressive. Um, But Trey Jones came out and played 40 minutes against Virginia the other night. Um, 13 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Uh, He just does a great job of setting the table and he's very similar and impacts the game very similar to the way that his brother uh his brother Tyus did when he played at Duke. And I just think that Trey Jones has such a calming impact on the game for his team. And it it's not just the offensive end, the way he puts pressure on the basketball uh is extremely impressive. And I think Uh, With him on the court, Duke is a significantly better basketball team, and uh, I know that we see the sensational dunks and athleticism and field-type plays from uh, Zion Williamson, and and we see the scoring from R.J. Barrett and the catch-and-shoot jump shots and the oozing with potential from Cameron Reddish. But I maintain that Trey Jones is such an integral part of this Duke basketball team and and, and arguably the most important piece to that puzzle.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I didn't want to bring it up, but now that you mentioned Zion – have you seen a player like this where you didn't know where he was going to fit in or how well he was going to translate to the college or the NBA ranks and his progression this year? Have you seen anyone progress like you have with Zion over this past year?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of guys that I would say progressed in a in a major way. Um, even like, you know, you could look at a guy like John ja, ja Morant from what he accomplished last year to this year. He made a huge jump. But I get where you're going with this. And obviously Zion um, really did make a significant Move from last year. I, I think um, I could take a little blame on this, and he's he was better than I realized even then. Looking back, um, he's obviously now in in much better shape, and uh, I, I I wasn't sold in high school if he was going to be able to bully guys the way he can uh, at the college level. Um, but just his athletic ability is is just so impressive. It's it, the way he glides through the air, his body control his body control is insane, Conrad. Uh, the way that, that, that he can um, control it in the air and finish at the rim and he's just so quick. Uh, that block he made on DeAndre Hunter in the, in the corner was insane. Oh. Now, I, don't, I have no idea why DeAndre Hunter didn't ball fake and one dribble pull up or try to go get to the rim. But, I mean, that was a ridiculously athletic play. One of the more athletic plays I think I've seen on a basketball court. I mean, that was
1: insane. That actually got me to stand up out of my chair when I saw that happen, and he is. I mean, everything that he does, it's like when you, you're you sitting there watching him play, and you, you're like, okay, well, what is he going to do next? And then he pulls that out of the bag. But I think for me, the thing that really steps up about his game is he is shooting 70% from the floor. Like, How is he so efficient in what he does at everything?
0: Well, he's taking very high percentage shots pretty regularly. This is a guy that's, I don't, I'd have to look at stats on Synergy, but I can't imagine he's taken many shots uh, outside of two feet. Uh, obviously from a shooting standpoint, he's shooting 30.2%, which honestly is actually better than I would have guessed coming into the season. He's 13 to 43 from three. He did hit that catch and shoot jump shot uh, from three against Virginia. Um, but you're right. He's, and it's not just the efficiency. It's, The multiple ways that he impacts the game. It's not just the dunks in transition, although that gets us all excited. It's the vision and feel as a passer. Um, He's a much better ball handler than I gave him credit for. And when he gets ahead of steam and in transition, he is ridiculously hard to stop. I think also you mentioned the efficiency. I think also uh, Coach K has done a really good job of putting him in positions to get good shots.
1: After all this talk about him, are you ready to come out and put him as your official number one overall pick in the NBA draft next year? I knew that was coming.
0: I knew that was coming. Um, (laughs) I still go back and forth on it, Uh, especially after that game. RJ was so impressive. I actually think that RJ is a much better shooter than his percentage indicates. He shot the ball very well out of the gate this season, had a couple uh, rough stretches from distance, uh, and then was – ridiculous shooting the basketball against Virginia I think he's going to be a very good shooter uh, at the next level I think it could be a similar situation as Jason Tatum where he's been a better shooter in the pros than he was in high school part of that is I think he has an elite worth ethic and his jump shot is going to continue to get better Uh, that said I'm probably leaning towards Zion at number one at this point I think just it's the obvious the the athletic ability the quick twitch, the strength, the feel, the passing. I think um, he probably projects a little better as a defender than I also gave him credit for. Uh, just across the board, um, he 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 has been tremendous. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards, towards him being the number one pick. But I also would say I go back and forth quite a bit, and I, I think we're a little bit away from making any kind of final decision. That draft's not for a while.
1: No, 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 certainly. I'm just – can you can you think of one player though since your time in the recruiting world where people have been? I mean, he's just so polarizing. I mean, two weeks ago you have Jay Z show up in Pittsburgh to watch him play. This weekend at Virginia, you had LeBron and Rondo come in and watch him play. Is there another recruit that you've ever seen to get this type of publicity? Like, and, and just I, I I just can't believe it.
0: Well, I think every year there's there's a guy that's getting a ton of attention. Last year it was Trey Young. The, you know, a couple years ago, it was the Ben Simmons show. There's always a, a, there, it seems like there's always a freshman that that is getting that type of attention. Anthony Davis got that type of attention. John Wall got that type of attention. Maybe it's accelerated with Zion um, because of the Supreme athletic ability. And he's different than all those guys. Uh, Honestly, I've said this on the show before. He's different than any player I've ever evaluated. I've ever scouted. I've ever watched. I, I don't, I, I that's why I, I don't get into comparisons with Zion Williamson because there's not one he's different uh, he's, he's different than any player we've ever seen and you can call him Charles Barkley or you can be ridiculous and compare him to LeBron which is unfair and you shouldn't ever do LeBron and MJ are off limits by the way you're not allowed to play compare players to them but he's just <laughs> he's just different and He's unlike any player that that we've seen, and uh, I think that's part of the reason that he's so excitable.
1: Yeah, so on the other end of this game, there was the number three Virginia Cavaliers. And, I mean, Virginia has such a good team, too. Tony Bennett just continues to churn out good players, good quality players, and his teams continue to lock down on defense, and they, they, they continue to grind out teams and beat you in ways you don't want to get beat, but they go very stagnant on offense sometimes. Could you see this being another opportunity for Virginia to have a quick out in March, or is this team better than what they were last year?
0: Oh, I think this team is better than than they were last year. um Obviously, it's an elite defensive team. They've only lost two games this season It's been to the same team who I think is the best team in the country they're twenty and two they're number five and adjusted office offensive efficiency They're number three in defense adjusted defensive efficiency uh this is a team that shoots the ball well they're ninth in the country uh at 39.6 percent uh they hold teams um to a uh a pretty low percentage from the three-point line uh across the board i think this team is is really good i'm not going to harp on them for losing to duke i mean like i said a minute ago uh they lost to duke by 10 and duke played about as well as they could um I think this virginia team is is very good. I don't think this is an early exit team. I think this team has more offense than we've seen uh Virginia teams have in the past look Kyle guy deandre hunter uh ty Jerome all three of those guys are shooting above forty percent from three they're yeah. this this now, is this is a team with a lot of pieces uh It's a team that I think has been put together very well and uh I, I don't think they're an early exit team i think this is you can make a case this is Tony Bennett's best team.
1: Yeah, so in that case, do you see Virginia being a one-seed when it comes to March then? if they Obviously, if they win out, I think they're still a one-seed, but or do you see them dropping to a two-seed here?
0: Uh, if they win out, they're definitely a one-seed, but that would mean they're going to have to go through some ridiculous um, teams in the ACC tournament. Um, I, I think there's a lot to play out before we get to that.
1: Definitely. Now another team that could be a potential one-seed down the line or a two-seed, Kentucky had a close win over uh, Mississippi State over the weekend, even though it really shouldn't have been that close. And they were up by 15 at half. I think they were up by 17 or 18 points in the early in the second half. And then kind of down the stretch, they just kind of really lost that intensity. Now, do you think that it will hurt Kentucky not having a go-to guy down the stretch and just having so many options?
0: Well, they've had a go-to guy as of late, and it's been P.J. Washington. He's been on an absolute tear lately and uh it's really been impressive. I I I've always been a little up and down on PJ, but uh there's been a big difference in his game over the past couple weeks and you know he's now leading that team in scoring. He's leading them in rebounding. Uh I've, i I think he's been awesome. And I, I think this Kentucky team is is has been very different uh since that loss to Seton Hall on December seventeenth. Um they lost I said this on the podcast before they lost Quad A Green. I think they got some identity at the point guard position with Ashton Hagens. He's had some really bright moments, both offensively and defensively, and running the show. Um, Tyler Hero, I think, is maybe the most important piece of this puzzle because of his scoring ability. He's different. Uh, Keldon Johnson has, has been impressive on the wing. Uh, but PJ, I think, uh, over the last couple games, has really opened some eyes. You know, four of the last five games, uh, he scored better than 20 points. Uh, you could go deeper. Five of the last six games, actually, he scored over 20 points, and he's shooting the ball better than he has entire career. 44.9% from three. So I, I think this Kentucky team is really starting to to hit their stride. Uh, they haven't lost uh, since January 5th when they played at Alabama, uh, and, and since then they've won nine straight. And they've got a big weekend coming or week coming up. They've got LSU tonight. They've got Tennessee on Saturday, and I think we're going to really uh, figure out. Where they stand, where this conference stands after this week, Tennessee being 10 and zero currently, uh, that's going to be a big showdown, and, and one I'm sure going to be uh, glued in on the TV, uh, because I think that that game will have a, a long ways, uh, or will you know, give us a lot of information in terms of who's going to win this conference.
1: Yeah, and I mean I, and I know I'm going to go back to who, who's their go-to guy. I know you mentioned P.J. Washington, but I'm asking you straight up, down by a point, 10 seconds left on the clock. Who on this Kentucky team is taking that game winning shot Tyler hero
0: for sure i that 's why I, I think so he's he, the closer yeah p j washington's been their best player as of late. I think Tyler hero is the most important player on that team because of his scoring ability he 's really starting to shoot the ball better too his three point percentage is is up to thirty five percent after really struggling from the uh three point line over the first part of the season uh, but it's it's the thing about Tyler hero and it 's a misconception. Uh, it, it, when he came in to college, the um, stereotype—I guess the best way to put it—was that he was a shooter. And yes, he can shoot, but Tyler Hero is much more of a scorer. Uh, this is a guy that that really scores a lot of points from mid-range, the runners, the floaters. He gets out in transition. I think he's their best scorer. I think uh, if you're not posting up PJ Washington on the block. Uh, you're going to, to, to Tyler, Tyler Hero coming off a screen or, or making a play towards the rim.
1: I guess the reason I, I keep bringing this up, who's the closer on this team, is because to me this is probably the deepest team in college basketball since that platoon squad that Kentucky had in 2014. The one that undefeated, lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. And I feel like partially the reason that they lost that game in the Final Four was they, they, ha- they didn't have anybody that they wanted to go to for the final shots of the game. They played so well as a team but they didn't have anybody. Do you agree that this is the deepest team since that two thousand fourteen Kentucky team?
0: Um, it'd be in the running. I I don't the top tier talent's not the same. But they are yeah. very they no, are no
1: Devin Booker, no cat.
0: Right. There's no there's no guy like that. There's there's no cat, there's no Devin Booker. But they're solid across the board. Like we haven't we really haven't even talked about Kelvin Johnson and He's our second-leading scorer, averaging 14 points a game. He's shot the ball better than I would have thought he would have coming into the season. Um, you know, Reed Travis has been solid. I, I See, I, actually, I, I kind of disagree with you because I think they have some options late game. I, it starts with Tyler Hero for me, but you could post P.J. up. Um, he's actually, as I mentioned a minute ago, shooting the ball very well. Um, and then there's Keldon Johnson, who is a very good scorer. Uh, they don't have that top-tier talent that they had when they won a national championship with Anthony Davis but they have some really solid pieces and they're deep and I think outside of Duke they have and I've said this before they have the highest upside of any team in the country
1: well I know I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what Kentucky can do down the stretch but moving on going to another team that I know a lot of the East Coast probably doesn't get to see a ton of, but I know being out here on the West Coast, I get to watch a lot of great Gonzaga basketball. How good is this Gonzaga team?
0: Uh, I really like this team. It's it's really unfortunate that we're not going to get to see them at full strength because I think when you throw Killian Tilly into the equation, uh, who's now out for the season or indefinitely, uh, this is a tremendous basketball team. They're good without him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he's only played nine games this year for them. But I really like this team. It starts with Rui Hashimura, who I think is going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Very versatile. All the physical tools. Good rebounder. Shooting the ball very well. 45.8% from the three-point line. Uh, But there's just good pieces. Josh Perkins is a a veteran. He's uh, really setting the table for that basketball team. Uh, Zach Norvell is a a shot maker. Um, This is a team across the board uh, that I think has a lot of pieces, uh, and and is going to be there to make a run even without Killian Tilly.
1: I think Gonzaga is going to lock up with one seed. I don't. I don't see anybody being able in their conference to beat them. And speaking of that, through nine games, the Zags are outscoring their opponents by almost well, yeah, thirty-one points a game, the most ever in the history of college basketball since uh, what nineteen ninety-eight. And I think that's a, that's even like a three-point difference even there. Uh, I mean, they just beat St. Mary's on Saturday night, 94 to 46, and St. Mary's used to actually be a team to give them competition, and now it just seems like Gonzaga's hit that upper echelon of there. They're no longer, in my opinion, like a small school. They play with the big dogs. They beat the big dogs. Do you think that Gonzaga this year is a legitimate national title contender?
0: Yeah, I do. You can't ever really pick a it's, – it's hard without looking at the bracket. But I do think that they have the talent and the ability to make a run to a Final Four. It's unfortunate, again, that Killian Tilly isn't there because then I would feel a lot more comfortable with it. But I think this is a tremendous basketball team. They beat Duke earlier in the season. I think the one interesting thing, and it's something that we talk about pretty regularly with Gonzaga, is it's been a little bit since they've been tested. And you mentioned that point differential where they're just blasting teams. But I think, I think this team has so many quality pieces. Uh, it's got good leadership. Uh, it's got shot makers. And you know, they shoot, as a team, 38% clip from three. Um, there's top-tier talent like Rui Hashimura. Uh, I think this is a Final Four caliber basketball team.
1: So real quick, who's your final four now? Now that Kansas has basically
0: eliminated themselves with injuries, who's your final four? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I'm going to start with Duke because I think they're the, um, as I mentioned, the best team in the country with the highest upside, and I think Kentucky. So those would be my first two. Um, I'm going to go Virginia as well. We discussed them a minute ago. I think that they're that caliber of, of basketball team. And the fourth one, you know, I'm going to probably get hated on for just going all chalk but I think I probably would go Gonzaga. Um,
1: wow, going on, going on a limb, man.
0: I'd like to see it. I mean, if you're going to ask me <laughs> to pick my final four teams, I'm going to pick the four teams that I think are the best. <laughs>
1: no, I got you. I got you. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I've watched quite a few Gonzaga games this year, and is, do you think it'd be crazy to say that even if Gonzaga played in the Pac-12, they could go undefeated in conference play?
0: That's not crazy. No, not, not from what we've seen with the Pac-12 this year. And I, I think that, you know, Washington or Arizona State would, UCLA could, you know, or I mean, U, USC could like give them a game and maybe steal one. But, you know, if you're comparing Gonzaga to the Pac-12 right now, uh, I would say Gonzaga would be the best team in that league. So I don't think that's crazy or, or um, you know, anything out of line.
1: Yeah, no, all right. We're gonna stick with the Pac twelve for a second and just a second only because I feel like they don't deserve that much time in this situation. <laughs> but what is up with the Pac twelve? Like that used to be my late night feed for basketball, and now it's almost hard to watch.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's um you know, obviously uh Arizona's gone through a lot the past year. Uh Arizona State has been up and down. They've certainly had some some bright moments uh in the first part of the season. Um, but outside of that, you know, Washington has probably been the biggest bright spot, or has been. Um, but outside of that, it's been tough sledding for for the entire league. Very unpredictable, I think. Too is the is the biggest thing. It's you know, you, there's there's games that uh, that you think are going to go one way, and they go the other, and it's it's been pretty consistently that way throughout the entire conference play.
1: Yeah, I thought Washington was the real deal coming out of the Pac-12. I mean, they had a very lackluster game at Arizona State on Saturday night. But ASU is a very tough place to play at. They have a very hostile crowd uh, when they show up to games, as I know ASU fans know about now. So what has been the big difference with Mike Hopkins' philosophy, bringing in these five-star kids and bringing in these big-time recruits out to Washington? And do you think that Washington can be a legit contender for years to come with him?
0: Well, those five-star kids aren't there yet, but they're they're coming, Conrad. And and getting a guy in Isaiah Stewart was a big deal. And um, I'd be curious to see if they're able to snag Jaden McDaniel's as well, who's another five-star prospect, actually ranked in the top five. Uh, but this is a really good recruiting class that Mike Hopkins has put together with Raquan Battle and 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 Marcus Shonis. You know, this is a this is a really good class, and it ranks 20 nationally. Um, But if they were able to get Jaden McDaniels, it really accentuate things. But Mike Hopkins has done a a very good job with that basketball team. And this is a guy that's been known for um, his ability to recruit as an assistant back to his Syracuse days and has really strong ties and connections. And that's how he was able to get Isaiah Stewart uh, from his days back in upstate New York. And that relationship uh, paid off.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. I mean, for them, for the Huskies to be able to pull in some five-star kids and to, for them not to be from the West Coast even, I mean, to get East Coast kids all the way out to Washington, that's absolutely tremendous. Last thing on Washington, are they the only team in the Pac-12 that's going to make the tournament this year?
0: Well, if the tournament were to be selected today, I think they'd probably be the only team selected. Uh, still a long ways to play out, but, yeah, as of today, I think that it would be uh, just UW conrad man i appreciate you uh jumping on the podcast it was fun to wrap and i enjoyed it yeah man i did too have a good one that was conrad company Uh, before i let you guys go i want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the sidelines podcast the best way to do that is to shoot over to apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app hit the subscribe button for me leave a rating leave a review you can also shoot me a note over on twitter or instagram the handle is at evan daniels as always thanks for listening and have a great week